Welcome to the inaugural edition of District to District, the podcast that goes from the Garden District of New Orleans to the District of Columbia and all the districts that make America unique amongst the world of history, culture, and of course, nature. And normally, yours truly, Christopher Tidmore, would be anchoring this from the Garden District of New Orleans, joined by the indubitable Curtis Robinson in the District of Columbia. But I believe, Curtis, as we start off this inaugural broadcast, we are not in New Orleans, but very much in the District of Columbia. In fact, one of its legendary locales. Yes, yes, yes. We come to you today live from the Washington Plaza, which is uh, mostly known for its... uh, It's a hotel. It's a hotel. uh, But it's mostly... it's a swimming pool with a hotel conveniently attached to it, and uh, and it's the first great warm day here in D.C. It's 80 degrees. We're here uh, May the 2nd, and uh, what a great time to start a new podcast, District to District. Now, one of the elements that we, uh, we've discussed in doing this is talking about not just these two elemental cities of, of culture and politics and their, their nice, but um, how many of the districts around the country, these specially sub-neighborhoods, these specially water districts, these areas, help contemplate. If you put all the districts together in America, you've got the soul of America. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's like the rogue shadow government <laughs> structure of state and local governments. There's all these districts. When Florida decided to, to take on Disney, what did they take on? They took on their special district. That's what they did, a special tax district. So when you look at someplace like uh, Denver, the, the wonderful downtown Lodo, Lodo is a special district. That's what they are. There's sort of this, this shadow world of districts. And we think about a downtown business district and other things. Some of them are formal. Some of them are tax districts. But a lot of them are arts districts and other things that form on their own. So that's the great thing. It's like this soft underbelly of American politics where – and, and don't get me started on the tax districts that we started for uh, incentives. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we talk about districts, we can talk about the politics that comes, the culture, the literary, as we will be talking in the district districts, obviously the concentration of how the district, how uh, the New Orleans historic districts come to here in Washington, and we're right off the DuPont Circle. It's as good a premise, district. you know, if you have premise in me, this is what you come up yeah, with, this right? Come with. And it has a small matter that I'm in New Orleans, and Curtis is often being in the district of Columbia. But we start off with something that is uh, important to both districts, and that's water. So we're, we're near, um, obviously, right off the Chesapeake, right off the, uh, the Col- right off the Potomac River, and we're talking about waterways as they affect districts, all of this, and who could be better to talk about waterways and how it affects it than the man who's literally swum waterways in all these places? He's the only man that we know of, at least on video, who has ever swum Lake Pontchartrain um, and all this and did a wonderful documentary about it. He is a native Louisianan, but he's, of course, swum the Colorado River. He's swum all over the world in major waterways to raise attention to waterways and to these districts of water and conservation. And if I'm not mistaken, Matt Mosley, right as you got off the plane this morning, you came from yet another waterway yeah, of Mr. some kind Mr. Of District himself, Matt Mosley. Matt, welcome. Welcome to the, <laughs> Thank to the you so inaugural much. broadcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Christopher and Curtis. It's really a pleasure to be here and joining you uh, in Washington, D.C., fresh off the plane from Israel and Egypt for the past few weeks. Okay. A Louisiana boy who swam Lake Pontchartrain, a guy who's lived in Colorado and swam the Colorado River, all these different famous waterways. And most recently, you're the 38th person in history, as far as we can tell, to swim Lake 
the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you, did you walk on it by chance, just to make sure? Because I want to know if you're really that you're really that qualified. A guy. No, I, you know there was no uh, walking on the water or feeding the masses or any of the of the biblical uh, elements. But it was a twenty kilometer swim across the Sea of Galilee, uh, and I was did it in seven hours and twenty four minutes. And was the uh, yeah the thirty eighth person in, in the history uh, to to do this swim in recorded history. It was all organized by the Galilee Marathon Swimming Association, and I went there, uh, Christopher, to bring awareness to, um, you know, thinking of water as more of a divine substance and something that maybe we should be having a little bit more respect for in the world. You know, maybe if water isn't worth worshiping, then I'm not exactly sure what is because it's the very essence of our of our life. And this is not a light issue. You, you now live in the West, obviously, and water is not a slight issue. One of our upcoming broadcasts that we'll do in District to District is from the Lake Powell Conservation District, where, frankly, uh, where, where I used to get on boats at marinas, I go to those marinas now, and they're in mud. It's You've seen water go that. We like to think in Louisiana we're, we're, we're protected from this. We've got so much water, except water levels are actually down here. Water levels are down all across. And I thought the Israeli example was kind of interesting that you brought up, Matt Mosley, because... Israel has done a very effective job of con- not only just conserving their water in the, in the California sense of the word where, hey, let's be careful of the water usage. They not only reprocess their water, their wastewater, but they've gotten efficient in being able to grow. This is a desert, mind you. Mm-hmm. Almost all of Israel is a desert. They actually have figured out how to sprinkle the water on their agriculture in such an efficient means that 95% of it is actually captured by it and almost none is lost to uh, condensation and what's left over is reprocessed. It's kind of an example of how to take a finite resource of water and make the desert bloom. Absolutely. You know, Israel has set the standard in the world for water management. And, you know, it's something that I wanted to learn a little bit more about. So I went to um, the, the Dead Sea. I went to the Mediterranean, of course, and I swam in the Red Sea as well. Uh, you know, and you realize that the Sea of Galilee, for all of its biblical uh, connotations and references, is still just a hardworking little lake. That, f- that, yeah, is, let's, that let's face that it, it the Sea of Galilee right. wouldn't make Lake Bourne in Louisiana. <laughs> no, <laughs> come on, no, it's, uh, you know they call it the Kinneret there, but it, you know it, it is the fresh water source for nearly all of Israel, and so it's really important. But you know it. What I really took away is that it's just like many other bodies of water around the world that are overworked, overstressed, um, that under assaults from pollution and people just not caring about it and throwing trash and plastics in it. Um, and so that's something that we face. Obviously, you know, I live in the West in Boulder, Colorado, uh, and that's something that we face out there. Um, this sort of new uh, aridification of the West, if you will, that's not just the rivers. It's just really the atmosphere is, is drying up. It's very, it's very scary. It's an interesting time. And uh, I want to I bring this in. And, and one of the things why we're saying, well, why are you bringing this on district to district? Well, right off our coast, we've got the Chesapeake Bay, which right here, uh, right in the Potomac. And of course, it's water management that, that actually does most of its uh, most of the agricultural resources that come into this area come off of rivers that lead into the Chesapeake and, and, and run off. Louisiana, of course, has huge runoff and pollution that comes from the Mississippi River and affects us. But all around, you're somebody who swum not only lakes, but rivers. You mm-hmm. swam the Colorado yeah. River. And oceans. And, and is it 
still safe to swim most of these areas. No, it, it is. You know, and one thing I've noticed over swimming for the past thirty years is is how many fewer places there are to swim. You know, not every place is, is open to swimming, and they close off reservoirs uh, to humans, and um, you know, sometimes for very valid reasons. But uh, at American Rivers, where I'm on the board of the Southwest River Council, we have a saying where uh, people can't live where fish can't swim. You know, and so it, you need clean water to to basically exist in, as a species and to to thrive. And so I'm here actually in D.C. That's why it's really a pleasure joining you all because um, we're here with American Rivers and we're doing a couple of days on the Hill where we're talking to um, congressional delegations and lobbying on behalf of you know the most endangered rivers in America. And the Colorado River in the West was just named on April 19th as the most endangered river in America. And also on that list of top 10 is the Mississippi River as well. So it's not just rivers in the West. And Curtis, you kind of been watching this from the Hill. One of the problems that's been getting into this is this is something, the, the issue of water clarity is something that actually does bring politicians of both parties together, but it kind of gets wrapped up in all the other political um, environmental well, sure. it's controversies. Get wrapped up in yeah. all the uses. I mean, you look at the Colorado River, and you you don't uh, uh, casual observers would not think you're going to be talking about Los Angeles, but that's why that's exactly what you end up talking about, and a lot of other things. Uh, the uses of the river, there's a reason it doesn't make it to the sea, and so you you start to look at that, and and, and one of the things I love about what Matt's done is I I think part of it is we have to get to the literature and to to the aesthetic of rivers and. You know, I was with him when he when he swam Pontchartrain, and uh, you know, he swam and I drank. And for the record, Wayne Ewing's film is is superb, superb, superb on that, and I, I, you can find it at Wayne Ewing Films. Uh, and I would point out that um, Curtis was the official observer for your swim, uh, uh, Matt Mosley across Lake Pontchartrain, and. Um, he he remained standing the entire. Uh, swim no, I overnight. had to stay awake. No one, you know, and you can't complain because how how do you complain about like, you know? I didn't realize I was going to have to stay awake all night. Yeah, and your friend, your friend has to stay awake all night. Oh yeah, he's swimming for fifteen. Hours. What was it? The, the official day was over fifteen hours. But you know, I think that's part of it. It's the literature and the aesthetic of rivers. I think is is needs to be elevated. And I think that's what what Matt does with it, with with the awareness and. And and films and uh, the American Rivers uh, film. He'll he'll tell you about the film about. It, it, he'll tell you about the film about swimming in in the Colorado River. But part of it is, you know, I'm reminded that, that uh, Jack Kerouac on the road that we've all read. Uh, the original name for that book was Rain and Rivers. And I think about how much it would have changed. I didn't know that. I just read a Douglas Brinkley thing. Who's a Douglas Brinkley is a historian from uh, uh, lives in Texas now, but um, another person with uh, New Orleans ties. But you know, I, I wonder about if if that had been the name of that book, you know, would would it have made it? Because I think the aesthetics, the 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 literature of it is is so important, and understanding it uh, with the reverence that Matt does. Uh, yeah, and let me bring that Matt. It, when, it, just on that thought process. 
you know, I, 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 you, you, so for those that don't know, Matt is one of the gurus of PR in the, in, in the United States. And you started off in your book, Ignition, you talk about how you learned your first lessons at the feet of Ella Brennan, following her around Commander's Palace and how to work a room. And so it's kind of appropriate that, you know, T. Martin, T. Brennan Martin uh, came in and, and who, who had spoke for you in your book and pulls me aside and said, let me get this straight. He swam Lake Pontchartrain, the Colorado River, oceans. There's this. He said, is he crazy? <laughs> and, but rivers are not a particularly sexy topic on either party. Waterways really aren't. For all our environmental talk, you, by swimming these, have actually raised attention in a way that nobody else could. Well, I, I try to think of when I'm swimming is not just swimming out there, but with a meaning and a purpose and being an ambassador for the water. You know, everywhere I've swam around the world, the water, it, it has a certain taste. Like Curtis said, it has a very certain aesthetic and a topophilia, if you will, of the geography of the place that makes it what that water is. It holds the characteristic of a place, like the Sea of Galilee. You know, it tasted very uh, silty, like leavened bread, like um, it was very fresh. Uh, whereas the water of Lake Potch Train has its own different taste of maybe, um, you know, sort chemical of bra- plants. Well, it's brackish <laughs> slightly. You know, it kind of tastes maybe like you're licking the bottom of an oyster shell. Uh, but no, it, the water of Lake Potch Train is beautiful, and that's why I swam it was to raise awareness that the Lake Potch Train Basin Foundation had spent 25 years cleaning up the lake and that it was safe to swim and the water was beautiful and so i guess we're, what we're asking is you're so you're here on capitol hill the next couple of days um you're doing a major event of course right after we we do this this evening and then being on the hill meeting with people what is the message that you're trying to get here in the district of columbia to these people and what would you like to see them do yeah you bet that's a great question um you know, one of the things is just education, that American Rivers is probably the world's largest water advocacy organization out there, and that, uh, you know, we have certain requests, infrastructure dollars being one of them, wild and scenic river designations for several rivers like the Gila uh, in Arizona, um, different different requests like that. But then also to talk about the Colorado River and the West, you know, it's it's not just the Colorado River, but it feeds 40 million people and it's the most endangered river in America. So we're talking about what are the solutions to that and how do we manage agricultural interests versus, you know, um, residential and, and uh, municipal interests and what are those balances? And Curtis knows very well. You know, you mentioned uh, Lake Powell, you know, and John Wesley Powell is one of my heroes, uh, not just for being the first river explorer down the Colorado River system and mapping it, but he's also the nation's first public servant. He started the the, uh, Bureau of Land Management and all sorts of other um, land protection agencies. And doing that and doing all that exploration with only one arm. (laughs) With one arm, yeah. But, you know, he recommended, and this is, you know, getting back to your district to district idea, is that that the districts really should not be artificially bounded political districts, but they should be basins. They should be organized by water basins, and that that should be the the the, the main organizing principle for you know especially the West. And he said, if you're gonna if you're gonna develop the West, you got to do it by basins.
license. Well, we didn't listen to them, and we divided up in chunks that have no squares you know, that make no sense. That's yeah, no that sense in any kind of basis. Yeah, if, if you if you're in Colorado at all, one of the things you know that uh, uh, you you can start out being in a county or a congressional district, but you end up being up valley or down valley from somebody. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm getting at. So I like to say that. Um, the, uh, the, what the Garden District and the District of Columbia have in common is it's the place where the far left meets the far right. It's where, where politics um, divides it, yet they're both company towns, and, they, and, and, and there's, there it comes to this. My question is, how do you get past this? Because the message you're giving here is not based in, and well, obviously global warming and other issues play a major role in all this. You're, the message you're coming in is very kind of bipartisan. Hey, we got to keep the waterways clean and nothing else works if I mean, we don't. I'm, yeah, I'm really like, glad you, you brought that up, Christopher, because one of the things we've learned working with American Rivers and on ballot measures for funding for the Colorado River and other sorts of um, you know legislative efforts is that water is truly nonpartisan. It's one of the most nonpartisan issues that we work on, and because you know we're bringing together the Cattlemen's Association and the wheat growers with the the Nature Nature Conservancy and um, you know Trout Unlimited and forming these really oddball coalitions of left and right that are united around protecting water. We all have an interest. Ranchers, municipalities, we all have an interest in protecting water, and how we manage it is really going to define our future. So, and I want to ask about my uh, cousin is. Uh, in the Central Valley of California, uh, farm uh, he manages a family farm, and uh, he's head of the Water Reclamation Council for that whole area. And one of the problems he has is basically he he himself is actually pretty left of center politically, but he has trouble not only getting the rather conservative rural area to talk to uh, more urban politicians, but if you get them to talk to one another, even though when it comes down to it, they all agree. If we don't have water, nobody lives. And if we don't have water, nothing grows. And if we don't have water, nothing survives. It's actually, there's no disagreement on the issues. It's just... Yeah, you talk to people, they care about it. They really do. They care about it. And um, you mentioned, Curtis, a little bit about, uh, you know, I did a swim down the Green River where it meets the Colorado River at the confluence. And that was for 40 miles just you went, past you summer. Went, and about, and I, <laughs> for anybody who's ever been to Canyonlands National Park and you stand in the overlook of all this sort of loopy serpentine River. Just think that Matt mostly swam all of that. <laughs> it's like, it's terrifying um, when you think about it. But you know, we made a film, American Rivers produced a film called Silent River, and that's available on YouTube now, and it's out there, and it's been premiering at some film festivals this past spring. But it's all about using the swimming to tell the story of the water in a celebratory way, you know, that we've learned, Curtis, right, that you can't, this guilt-based environmental approach doesn't really work. You want people to care about it and so that's why we made the film that's easy for you to say that film broke my heart (laughs) (laughs) well and also features um i want to give a shout out to my wife Kristen mosley and she is a just a a top awesome water rights attorney in colorado and you know that's kind of where the rubber really meets the road is is the law is first in time first in right you know, as our good friend uh, Brent Gardner-Smith likes to uh, laugh about, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. <laughs> so um, i, I got to ask you, a personal level, and something you're not going to get in question, how did growing up, uh, the influence of Louisiana and being around all of that water influence 
pretty much the rest of your perspective in life. Because, I mean, you've had a very uh, storied career. You've been uh, appeared on, a, on another podcast we do called Hunter Gatherers, talking about Hunter S. Thompson. You've talked about your PR uh, adventures that you've had, your, your book, Ignition, and other writings that you do. Uh, Dear Doc Thompson, I'll mm-hmm. go into this in great detail. But I'm, I'm curious. I mean, you grew up in a place with a myriad of water, but a place that's the end of these water routes. And so they deal with what's happening in Iowa or further up in farms and the runoff and so on and so yeah. forth. How did that kind of influence your vision? Well, I always grew up as a swimmer and was always enamored. I, you know, I would see a body of water and just tell my mom, I want to go jump in. And she's like, you're crazy. Uh, but I always loved swimming. We go to Destin every summer or Galveston and swimming in the oceans. Um, so I always grew up loving, just loving the water. And I don't think, you know, I, in doing these big distances, uh, Curtis might disagree, and I know my mom certainly would. But, you know, people are like, you're so crazy. Why would you do that? And, you know, when you when you start swimming more and you start researching what it does to the brain and you start understanding our development as a species, I mean, we are creatures of the water. Uh, We've sort of lost our way here and we're sort of landlocked now, but um, we came out of the water. We, you know, we're born of the water. And I also think that water is the most critical issue of our time. And so that we have to get away from this notion that if it just turns out on and comes out of the tap, that everything is okay. Because I think that's how most most people around the world think. Um, but we have a real big issue on our hands with how we manage our water and keeping the beautiful places and the riverways and the oceans free of plastic and you know, lakes and rivers, keeping them healthy. You know, that's, that's community. That's what our lives are made of. It's a fabric. For the record, the, that, that being what it is, that's not why we think you're crazy. <laughs> you, you, when, you, when you got to shore on Lake Pontchartrain, you remember all the live news trucks? You might remember, I always said, if we can get him within sight of the live news trucks, it'll look like a motorboat going ashore. So the reason those, those live trucks were there, and, and you weren't on the cell phones, we fished at least two and maybe three good-sized gators out of there because there had been rain, and that sort of flushes the gators. So, so the way we were pitching it was, come watch a man swim train and get eaten by alligators. So we well, had, and, and I, I, did, I did point out, and I th- actually, I think you missed something, because when I got out of it, and you were chatting after the swim, and I'm, I'm like, so what did you do about the sharks? And you went, you went, Sharks? Yes, there sharks? were sharks. And I that, pointed out there were sharks all the way across. Oh, no, there were sharks. We were like, what, should we tell him about the sharks? And I'm like, well, not, not, not if they're in front of him like that. No, no. And he's like, oh, they're just curious. I am mean, yeah, they're curious the way I'm curious about, you know, ribeye. A steak. And also, I'll say that, well, part, part of that particular swim, well, that, that was crazy to begin with, but it was, uh, uh, but that was part of it. It's not, it's not because we disagree with you, uh, your sanity on on your positions. We just think that maybe uh, that was a risky way to, to go. Although, shout out since we're on air, shout out to the local writer who said, for the first time in years, Matt Mosley proved that a body can come out of Lake Pontchartrain. <laughs> that was my favorite lead. Oh, Matt Mosley, uh, you've been joining us here on the District District podcast. But I got to ask you a, a more philosophical question since we're 
This is the inaugural podcast connecting two very key districts, mainly because we live in them, um, uh, the Garden District of New Orleans and the District of Columbia, particularly where we are, which is the DuPont Circle District of Washington. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you lobby here in D.C., you, you, you do PR, and you start out here. What, did, what is something the two elements, the two districts have in common? And we know the many ways they're different. You know, Washington is a city, and John Kennedy, who stayed in this wonderful Washington Plaza Hotel, once observed Washington is a city of, of, uh, of Southern efficiency and Northern charm, probably the ep- <laughs> in, in that, you know, the opposite of New Orleans. But it, it, there are parallels, and it's more than the... Uh, three martini lunches that we have. Yeah, no, I think right the, biggest, the biggest parallel for me and why I love both cities is the sense of history, the sense of how they're rooted in history and they both are part of history and create their own histories. Now, New Orleans is much more of a, um, you know, it's a, it's a true Southern city with all of its charms and challenges, right? D.C. is also another city that is a melting pot of many different cultures who have come here kind of seeking a dream, um, looking for ways to, you know, insert themselves into the power structure, if you will, Curtis. You know, whatever it is, um, I think it's a city that attracts dreamers. Don't you think, Curtis? I, I I hadn't thought of it that way, but but you're exactly right, and it it, it attracts people, and, and and you're consumed by the melting pot nature of it. It's uh and and it's a place where a lot of people, I think, uh, my experiences in both cities is where they they set aside a lot of the judgments they might have in, in other other places because. It's, there's a genuine curiosity. Even when you think someone's stupid and wrong, you're very curious about how they can be that stupid and that wrong. It still wouldn't prevent you from going to the three martini lunch with them, right? <laughs> no, that, that's where you find out how they're that stupid and they're that wrong. <laughs> On that note, and something that is not stupid or wrong, Matt Mosley, um, you've been uh, doing this advocation for America's Rivers and, and uh, of these waterways. Talk about some of the stuff that you've got coming out very shortly. Yes, yeah, you betcha. Um, so the, the Sea of Galilee, Swim was is, is was a research trip um, in Israel and Egypt for the last chapter of a new book that I have coming out called Soul is Waterproof. It's about swimming and the story of water. Uh, as you both know, we have been doing a lot of work over the last year promoting my latest book, Ignition, which is about communication strategy. But I learned that you know, people didn't really want to hear as much about communication strategies. They wanted to hear about swimming and water and that they were a lot more interested in that. So, um, the soul is waterproof comes out uh, next, uh, November, December through CG publishing and, uh, really excited about the book. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's kind of like going on a river trip with me, you know, like we get to tell stories. There's a lot of history, some adventure, there's fireside chats and morning breakfast coffee discussions and all sorts of fun stuff so it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun now when we have interesting guests here uh, on the district to district podcast we have resolved mainly because i just decided to do it uh, to ask somewhat unusual questions 
for uh, because this is more this is more of a philosophical podcast. So, as somebody who has swum the great waterways, advocated for the great issues, I thought, have you ever heard of the Proust questionnaire? Have you ever watched, uh, uh, you know, uh, inside the actor's studio? And I this? have. Oh, I've seen the Proust questionnaire at the end of Vanity Fair. Yeah, great. Uh, so, <laughs> it, this would be a pop quiz version, Matt. <laughs> this is a, this is a very so. small pop quiz on the on the fly. So, I'm only going to ask you four questions. Okay. Okay. Actually, five. Um, but the, the first one that I always get is, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Perfect happiness to me, I mean, Curtis knows this. This would be like a three or four hour lunch at Commander's Palace or brunch uh, in the late afternoon with some of my best friends and loved ones telling stories and chatting. Um, what, it, 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 what is the living person you most admire? The living person. Yeah, living. They're all dead now. Yeah, it's like, it's easy to say, you know, I admire this person, but it's kind of hard um, to say if you, somebody's alive. You know, I'm just going to say right now, just for the world, where we are in the world, uh, Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky, yeah. Um, what is your current state of mind? Current state of mind? Um, charged. What is your favorite sound? Water. And um, if heaven exists... What would you like to hear um, if you arrived at the pearly gates? The same water. Water. On that note, that is the, the, fi- that is the f- close of the first District to District podcast. Curtis Robinson, we got some interesting podcasts coming up in the coming weeks and months. Yes, we do. And uh, uh, thank you very much for, for bringing all this fine equipment all the way to Washington, D.C. And, of course, we're going to be sitting in the beautiful Washington Plaza Hotel, which is it, it doesn't look like a Washington hotel whatsoever. I feel like I'm, I'm sitting in L.A. or Palm Springs looking I'm, out of the I was getting more like off-strip Vegas. Yeah, really. It's kind of... it's. It's this attitude. I always find it kind of interesting that it's across the street from Lyndon Baines Johnson's favorite church, the Christian church. Because from what I gather, he, he you know he, he could go to church and he could come over here for lunch and they can go upstairs for other reasons. And it, it worked. It was a very it was a very useful process going around here at Thompson Circle. Um, uh, Matt Mosley, of course, thank you very much, and you. we wish you the best of luck in lobbying Capitol Hill and reminding him water matters. And that does it for our great perspectives on district to district. Uh, future shows, of course, Curtis Robinson. We won't always be at the Washington Plaza Hotel. You'll be uh, perched here in the district. Sadly, with our budget, we will be uh, across the street at the bus stop, uh, by the way. And I'll, I'll be in the Garden District probably in a, uh, at the bus stop there. Uh, we'll come to you in a few weeks. Thank you very much, folks. We'll see you next week.